0: Transmitter device activated. Coordinates set for Earth 2. Hey everyone, welcome to the Earth 2 Podcast, your weekly exploration of the DC Comics multiverse and the legacy of their Golden Age characters through the Silver and the Bronze Ages of comics. I'm Peter Watson. I'm Arian Zenos. I'm Robert George. I'm Christine Panton. I'm Carolyn Linden. I'm Gavin Risa. I'm Kelly Blair.
1: I'm the Irredeemable Shag. I'm Brandon Peters. I'm Ali Steele. This is Chuck Lourdens. I'm Steve Higgins. I'm Max Traver.
0: I'm Rich Fulham. I'm Ross Aiken. And I'm David Steele. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us. We've been teasing this for a little while now. It's the first part of the 1972 JLA-JSA team-up. Issue 100 of the Justice League of America, published on the 20th of June, 1972, two days after Paul McCartney's 30th birthday. And a week or so before the comic that we did a few weeks ago with Superman and that weird Frankenstein guy, if you're paying attention. So, without further ado, we have a lot to get on with. Peter's going to tell you about the cover. At the top, we have the usual Justice League of America shield with DC Justice League in the top left corner. All news stories, now only 20 cents. Down the left-hand column, we have the, well, part of the roll call for this issue, because certainly you can't fit it all in. We have Superman. Batman. The Flash, Green Lantern, Green Arrow. But the main image, the main image of this cover is a grave. There is uh, an assemblage of heroes at this grave. On the left hand side, we have some members of the Justice League of America, Superman, The Flash, Green Lantern, and Batman. On the right hand side, we have some members of the Justice Society of America, Our Man, Starman, Doctor Fate, and Wonder Woman. And above the grave, we have ghostly figures From left to right, it's the Star-Spangled Kid, Stripesy, The Vigilante, The Shining Knight, right in the centre, Crimson Avenger, Green Arrow, and Speedy. And the words on the headstone say, Here lies the unknown soldier of victory. And at the very bottom of this page, we have another banner that says, 33 Heroes, 33 the greatest gathering of superstars ever recorded, the 10th annual team-up of the Justice League and Justice Society in search of the Seven, Seven Soldiers, Soldiers of, of Victory. Victory. Yes, at last. I'm prepping this one for a long time. We've been talking about it for ages. Recording started in February. am not going to tell you when recording completed. <laughs> As you can probably tell from what we said in the past in our intro, we've roped in a few other... Friends and fam to help us out, a few other fellow podcasters, thank you everyone. I'm astonished that we all managed to fit into my living room, quite frankly. Without further ado, we shall get on with the story, because that's why we're all here. Our opening splash image is very similar to the cover. The monument in the centre, with unknown soldier of victory, written on it to the left, the Earth-1 heroes of the Justice League of America, including a few that we don't see in the cover, and to the right, the Earth-2 heroes of the Justice Society, including another couple of heroes that we don't see in the cover, and looming above them all, that ghostly image of the seven soldiers of victory. A nice little text, caption, with fancy writing says, You're cordially invited to attend the greatest single gathering of superheroes ever recorded, the 100th anniversary meeting of the Justice League of America. And there's another larger caption underneath the their very arresting opening image, and that reads, On a lonely, windswept mountain peak, a solitary grave stands in mute testimony to the courage of a man, a warrior who fell in defence of his world whose name is known only to God. Now, after many long years, others come in search of this doomed champion's forgotten identity. Can even the greatest heroes of two different Earths uncover the secret of... The Unknown Soldier of Victory! And the nice little scroll caption gives us the credits for this issue. A monumental masterwork presented by Julius Schwartz, editor. Len Wein, writer, Dick Dillon and Joe Giella artists with thanks to the writers and artists who shaped this history-making adventure those many years ago. Awesome. Right, over the page into the story proper. Panel 1, we see the satellite headquarters of the Justice League of America spinning through space and a caption reads, 22,300 miles above Earth's emerald surface at Whirls. A silent sentinel eternally on the alert for danger. The orbiting headquarters of The Justice League of America. Within its metallic confines, intricate monitoring devices go about their tasks, sending information humming down the sterile corridors, but no one is there to notice. We see the League's meeting room, empty chairs around an empty table, flashing lights and equipment, and with all this in mind, Panel 3's caption says, Instead, voices can be heard echoing through a great granite chamber, THE ORIGINAL MOUNTAIN SANCTUARY OF THE JLA! We see Aquaman, Black Canary, Green Lantern, Green Arrow and Hawkman walking through a passageway lined with old electronic equipment and fringed by cobwebs. Aquaman says, Our hundredth meeting. I can hardly believe it. Seems like only yesterday that we first came together. Who was it said that time flies? And Green Arrow says, Probably Methuselah. But what did he know?
1: Feels like a million years since I started slinging that bow of mine.
0: Hawkman, with a bit of a crabby expression on his face, turns to Green Arrow in the next panel and says, Perhaps Green Arrow, but you're not unique. We've all changed over the years. Out of necessity, I suppose.
1: Maybe so, maybe no. Just seems that the more we learn about
0: ourselves, the less we really understand. Green Lantern starts to speak in the next panel. Hey, this is supposed to be a celebration. Let's... The hero's heads whirl around and Hawkman exclaims The telephone! How can that be? We had it disconnected months ago! Curiously, Hawkman plucks the receiver from its cradle and... A tiny figure bursts from the earpiece saying Hi! Hope I'm not late! Black Canary says Adam, how? And standing on a surface with the others looking down at him the mighty mate says in reply Easy Black Canary! Just a simple cross-circuiting trick I worked out! Hey, where is everybody? I figured the whole gang would be here by now. And a thoughtful Aquaman says, So did we, Atom. Wonder what's detaining the others. And on the off chance you're wondering too, dear reader, let's switch to a central city street and find out. We see the Flash creating a whirlwind with his arms that's lifting a couple of bad guys into the air as the elongated man stretches and contorts and lifts three other bad guys up in his right arm. The Flash says... Let's wrap up the casino guy and get a move on, Ralph. We're running late for the Justice League celebration. To which Ralph says... Right with you, Flash. This is one get-together I wouldn't miss for the world. A slow dissolve. The caption for panel four. And countless light-years away, there stands a man who will miss the meeting for precisely that reason. And we see, with his back to the camera, so we can't see how his face is rendered at this point, John Jones, the Martian Manhunter, watching some very Earth-like... Building and construction going on. Mm-hmm. There's scaffolding and trucks and lorries and stuff going on. It's very, very interesting. John is thinking to himself. I give almost anything to be with my Earth friends on this day of days. But there are more important things for me to do here. The Martian Manhunter has to rebuild a world. And if you're so inclined, you could take a drink here because there are two great lumps of rock hanging in the sky over Mars. And this is probably maybe to the moons of mars so technically if you want to you could take two drinks Deimos and phobos showing off there mm. over the page to page four our first caption reads from a world builder we shift to the palatial estate of a world beater industrialist simon stag simon stag making his first appearance in podcast i believe swept back white hair an angry looking irascible billionaire he's shaking his fist and saying mason WHERE IN BLUE blazies DO YOU THINK YOU'RE GOING? And making his Earth 2 podcast debut properly, despite the fact we mentioned him the other week, it's the element man Metamorpho, who at this point is transforming into an aeroplane and flying away saying,
1: Sorry Stagsy old pal, Rex Mason may be on your payroll, but Metamorpho the element man goes where he wants to go, and right now he's flying to a party.
0: Can you remember, Peter, when you first encountered Metamorpho? I was thinking about this other day. I can't remember exactly. I think it was an issue of World's Finest okay. that he uh, guest starred in. And then shortly after that, actually got one of his 60s appearances. What about yourself? I'm not sure. I think it must have been that period in the mid-80s when I was a Marvel guy and... Would look at DC Comics for solemn occasionally, and he was probably one of those characters that I saw on the cover of an issue of Batman: The Outsiders and didn't know who he was. I remember when I was younger, his costume used to really annoy me because it wasn't, you know, kind of like symmetrical. Right, it was different colours and different areas and things like that. It just it, it bugged me because I wanted things to look sort of mirrored. Interesting. Mm. Mm. Okay, <laughs> paging Doctor Freud. The caption for panel two says. While half a continent away, a certain Snapper Carr gazes out his window and wonders. And Snapper is sitting looking very sad, holding his invitation in his hand as he thinks. Imagine! After the way I betrayed them, the JLA still invited me to their 100th anniversary.
1: I'd give my right arm to go, but I can't. After what I did to them,
0: I just couldn't face them again. There's an editor's footnote here which says, the story of Snapper's Betrayal appeared in JLA 77. Which we didn't do, but if you're so inclined, you're going look it out. Now, the caption for the next panel says... And in the shadow-strewn back alleys of Gotham City... Two armed goons, a younger man and an older guy in a hat, are caught in the act. And with a full moon looming in the background, a familiar dark, avenging figure swings into view on in a line. The younger goon cries... The b b bad man, We've had it! And his older pal says... Oh, stop falling all over your mouth, Marty, and plug him. It's just one guy. In the final panel of page four, Batman takes out Marty with a punch and sorts out the older guy with a kick to the head. (laughs) (laughs) Amazing. Thinking as he does so. You'd think by now these punks would know better. I'd better wrap them up and get moving. I've got a stop to make on my way to the JLA meeting. A slow dissolve now as we arrive at the top of page five, and a caption says... And 23 trillion miles from Earth on a lush planet orbiting the star-sun Alpha Centauri, two familiar figures arc through the emerald sky. Yes, we see Adam Strange and Alana flying along with their jetpacks. And Adam says... According to Sardas' calculations, the Zeta Beam won't wear off for several days. Too late for me to attend the Justice League extravaganza. Alana, darling, they'll just have to get along without Adam Strange. And another Andy Footnote interrupts us and tells us the Zeta Beam is a teleportational beam that Earthman Adam Strange uses to travel instantly to the planet Ran. Awesome. Panel 2 is captioned At last we come full circle and return to the JLA's labyrinthine Mountain Sanctuary. More heroes have arrived for the party, left to right. In this panel we see The Flash, Green Lantern, Hawkman, Aquan, Black Canary, Green Arrow and Superman. Superman is saying 100 meetings is a long time, Flash. Lots of things can happen. Flash replies. I'll say, I was a rookie police scientist when I joined this group. Now I'm a married man. There is a sudden burst of golden light, and a voice says,
1: Really, Flash, that's
0: the most depressing thing I've heard all day. Can't you change the subject? Superman exclaims, Zatanna! And Flash says, You have the most disconcerting way of dropping in on people. But welcome to the festivities. And in the next panel, Batman arrives with a familiar friend, who's all dressed in white. Batman says, Greetings, people. Look who I picked up. Superman says, Diana Prince, Wonder Woman. How good to see you again. Diana replies, I almost didn't come, Superman. Your friend here had to twist my arm. In the final panel of page five, we see on a table in the background, a beautiful three-tiered cake Mm. with Justice League of America written on its base and a nice 100 in digits on the top. Green Lantern uses his power ring to create a large cake slice, and he says, Well, now that you are here, why don't you use that pretty arm of yours to help cut the cake? I'm starving. To which Black Canary says, You men, all y'all ever think about is your stomachs. And at the top of page six, Metamorpho says, When you have a cast iron stomach like
1: I do, sweetheart, what you put into it doesn't make much difference.
0: And as Zatanna, Diana, and Black Canary Maneuver! The enormous cake slice into position. Canary replies. If you like Metamorpho we can save the cake cutter for you. To you it would probably taste delicious. Green Arrow pipes up with. Come on girls. Less talk and more action. I'm...
1: I'm growing faint with hunger.
0: And in panel 2 Hawkman says. Green Arrow you are growing faint. And Batman says. We all are. Everything has gone very dark. And a weird rushing effect seems to be washing its way over our heroes. Satana says, What's, What's happening, happening to us? Satana's fearful question echoes over and over through the rock hewn halls, but there is nobody left to answer. There is more rippling and rushing as the heroes vanish from sight, and the cake-slicer Green Lantern created falls to the ground with a <coughs> Should it have stayed there after he vanished? Anyway, I don't know. <laughs> the captioning continues. Instead, the hapless heroes feel themselves falling through a void. And when light fills their eyes once more, the heroes are all forming amidst a golden glow as the elongated man says, Where on earth are we now? To which Flash replies, You don't know? Oh, that's right. Ralph's never been here before. And in the final panel of page six, we see a very gloomy looking bunch of very familiar heroes. And the Flash continues saying, Ralph, didn't he? Permit me to introduce the legendary Justice Society of America. The very large first panel of page seven introduces us to the assembled of two heroes. The Justice Society of America. Dynamic defenders of another earth bandied together in the cause of righteousness. Starman, manipulator of the awesome cosmic rod. Dr. Fate, the mystic master of occult and eldritch forces. The Sandman, grim crusader who haunts the dreams of the lawless. Johnny Thunder. Muddled Master of the Magical Badnesian Thunderbolts. Wildcat, Ex-Heavyweight Champion Who Wields His Fists in the Cause of Justice. The Red Tornado, Faceless Android Whirlwind. Dr. Midnight, Blind Battler for Honor and Truth. Wonder Woman, The Amazing Amazon Princess. And The Hour Man, Whose Miracle Pill gives him supercharged energy for 60 fleeting minutes. Gosh, the caption for panel two of page seven says, And after the proper salutations have been exchanged, we see Green Lantern, Flash, and Aquaman, all of Earth One, remember, lined up kind of like that Emerson, Lake, and Palmer album. It's quite <laughs> funny. <laughs> yes. The Flash says, You people look like you've been dragged through the mud. What's been happening around here? Aquaman says, Yes. Why did you bring us to Earth 2 so abruptly? Before Dr Fate answers, a footnote reminds us... Earth 2 is an almost duplicate world, occupying the same space as ours, but vibrating at a different speed. Interesting. Dr Fate then replies in the final panel of page 7... We have need of help, Aquaman. The sort of help only you and your colleagues can give. Come, I will show you what I mean. And the caption for the first panel of page 8 says... The stellar sorcerer strides slowly to the centre of the chamber... Silently muttering incantations long thought forgotten, and visions blossom in the dusty air before him. Yes, Dr. Fate gestures, both hands wide, sparks flying from his fists. And an image appears of the Earth in space, looking like it's about to be grasped by an enormous pale green and sharply taloned hand. The Wonder Wizard speaks. This is why I brought you here, Justice League. The reason my mystic powers snatched you from across the dimensional barriers. Look upon the hand that holds the earth. Twice we have tried to release that evil hand's grip upon our world, and twice we have failed. We are in sore need of help, my friends. That is why we turn to you. Green and Hal Jordan says at this point, I'm not certain we could fare any better, Dr. Fate, unless we know more about that hand. What's it made of? Where's it come from? In the next panel, our man stands before Dr. Fate's projected image and says, We're still trying to puzzle out those same questions, Green Lantern, and all we do know is it belongs to a menace who calls himself the Iron Hand. He has given us 48 hours to turn supreme domination of Earth over to him, or that fantastic fist will close and crush our planet to atoms. Our man gets a nice close-up to round out mm-hmm. page 8, and at the top of page 9, Dr. Fate continues, You see then our predicament. We are confronted by questions that cry out for answers, but there are none to be had. He gestures again towards a large, shining globe on a pedestal nearby. In desperation, I turn to my mystic crystal in hopes of solution. The other heroes look on. But this is all that was revealed to me. An image forms within the mystic crystal globe, and it shows a monument. Flanked by bare skeletal trees, Hawkman says... A grave? The monument has writing on it that reads, Here in honoured glory rests an unknown soldier of victory who died that his world might live, which prompts Satana to ask, That inscription, what does it mean? Dr. Fate answers in the next panel, saying, Again, I know not. I could pierce the crystal veil no farther. But with your presence here, Satana, the scales may at last be tipped in our favour. Me? What can I do that Dr. Fate can't? Somewhere beyond the mists of time and space exists the entity known as Oracle, from whom no secrets are withheld. My own abilities are not potent enough to penetrate the barrier, but were we to add your powers, Atana, along with those of Johnny Thunder's genie-like servant to my own, we might have a chance. Johnny smiles and clicks his fingers as he says, Gotcha, Doc. Old Thunderbolt will be here in two shakes. Say you! And amazingly, as Johnny Thunder utters the ancient Batnesian chant, Say you, say you, there's a burst of blue light. And the pink Thunderbolt appears, saying, Zzzz, you oh master of the muddled and mundane? To which Johnny says, T-Bolt, Doc Fate and the gang need your help. That's what I'm here for, bright eyes. And in panel 1 of page 10, we see Dr Fate, Zatanna and the Thunderbolt standing around a burning crucible on a pedestal. Their arms raised and all clasped, joined together. The caption reads, Soon darkness envelops the room, an overpowering shadow turned away only by the glow of burning embers, and the blazing voice of Dr Fate. Oracle, you who walk with worlds as your stepping stones, hear my words. We, who speak your name in the most humble of voices, have need of you this day. Come to us, Oracle. We beseech thee, come to us. And the caption for panel two reads, There is a singing in the Stygian gloom, the vibrant sound of worlds long gone and galaxies just a-borning, the willful hum of eternity as it skims across the fabric of the cosmos, and then there comes a presence to the Justice Society's hidden sanctum. A figure forms out of the smoke from the pedestal, looming over Doctor Fate, Zatanna, and the Thunderbolt. A man in long purple robes, with pale skin, long blonde hair, moustache, and beard. His eyes are solid, glowing blue, with bursts of red energy within. This new arrival speaks. Who dares call Oracle Oracle from from the realm realm beyond? Doctor Fate replies. I dare, Oracle. I, Doctor Fate who ask no more than a moment's indulgence from one as omnipotent as you. The enormous figure looks down at Fate in the final panel of page 10, saying, A "A moment can can be an eternity eternity to some, impudent one, one. but the name of Dr Fate has reached my ears often, and and naught but good has been said. said. So, So, speak speak what you you will, will, and Oracle Oracle will listen. listen. And the caption for the first panel of page 11 says, After the tale has been retold once more, Looming over the heroes, Oracle says, You seek solutions, Dr. Fate, but that is one thing Oracle cannot give. Your destiny is your own. Oracle can but relate what has been and allow you to choose your own course of action. Even he is not permitted to reveal the future. The gas-masked figure of the Golden Age Sandman, Wesley Dodds, says at this point,
1: Where's that Lewis now? If Oracle can't help us, nobody can.
0: Interesting that Wesley's there, actually, given that part of his power is premonition Mm. of a sort. That's quite interesting. I think it's Mm -hmm. interesting. Oracle gets a close-up in panel two. You misunderstand, misunderstand. Sandman. I did did not refuse refuse to to help help you. you. Come, gaze deeply into the eyes of Oracle, and perhaps Perhaps you will will find what you seek. He continues in the next panel. Many of your years ago, a menace similar to the one you now face bestowed your world. The awesome, awesome giant, giant, Earthmen, Man, the Nebula, Nebula Man. Man. Many and of your, your people fell before the might of this bizarre conqueror, until and there was only the a handful who dared stand, stand against him. him. Yes, we see the Nebula Man standing amidst what appears to be some urban wreckage, he's obviously trashed a city or something, and he's an almost featureless humanoid form. His body is a dark glowing purple, surrounded by an aura, and scattered through with points of glowing yellow. Oracle continues. At the, At top, the top of your, of your world, world they met, these, these bold champions and terrible titan, and the and earth rang with the sounds of their savage, savage battle, battle, until, until finally the these heroes too fell before, before the Colossus. And we see Nebula Man battling seven colourful figures. One, grasped in its left hand, is a man in a blue shirt, wearing a white cowboy hat, a red scarf face mask, and spurred boots, Swinging in on lines are two figures, one dressed in red with yellow gloves and boots, the other in green with red accessories. Both wear Robin Hood-style hats. Trying to wrestle Nebula Man's neck is a man in golden armour, wearing a scarlet tunic with a sword at his belt, rushing towards the action of the others, one in red leggings and a blue cowl and top, covered in stars, and another in blue leggings and a top of red and white hoops. Another figure in tight-fitting red brings up the rear. Oracle's narration of these events continues at the start of page 12. But these valiant warriors were not to be defeated. Again they rose in combat with a new weapon at their command, with one of them sacrificing his life to use that secret weapon to full effect. We see the Nebula Man in the silhouette of a twisting body, falling through dark clouds. Such was the courage of the seven soldiers of victory. We return to Oracle. And the assembled J.L.E. and JSAs. A Starman says, Then that explains the grave. The dead soldier of victory is buried there. Sure, says Wildcat. The seven soldiers of victory. We should have thought of them sooner. They, they, hey, wait a second. There's something wrong here. Then he throws his hands in the air and yells, I can't remember. Who in blazes are the seven soldiers of victory? Our man looks thoughtful. The next panel strokes his chin and says, Come to think of it, I can't remember either. Beats me, chums. I'm stumped, says Johnny Thunder. And Batman says, Well, don't ask us. Nobody in the JLA remembers the Seven Soldiers at all. Well, not even Vigilante, but we'll come back to that. <laughs> Green Arrow raises a finger to Oracle in the final panel of page 12, and he says,
1: Okay, Space Face, you've had your jollies. Now let us in on your little secret. Who were the Seven Soldiers of Victory?
0: Curious you should ask Green Arrow, for you, of all who stand here, have the greatest affinity for said group. Gaze into the eyes of Oracle once more and you shall see why. Page 13, which will probably definitely end up in the socials, is a full image of Oracle surrounded by the Seven Soldiers. As he narrates and introduces us properly to... The Seven Soldiers of Victory were not unlike yourselves. Bold adventurers gathered together in the name of freedom. The Vigilante, in reality Greg Sanders, the prairie troubadour who fought crimes of the city with the weapons of the planes. The Star Spangled Kid and Stripesy, actually wealthy young Sylvester Pemberton and his bodyguard chauffeur Pat Dugan, who battled injustice in the astonishing Star Rocket Racer. The Crimson Avenger, crusading newspaper publisher Lee Travis, who, with the help of his aid wing, carried his campaign of crime prevention into the underworld's darkest holds. Sir Justin, the Shining Knight, time-tossed paladin of King Arthur's Court, who rode the flying steed winged victory against the forces of corruption. The Green Arrow and Speedy, Millionaire financier Oliver Queen and his young ward Roy Harper, who bent their longbows to protect the innocent from the grasping claw of evil. Back in the room, the Justice League's Green Arrow says, So Earth 2 has a counterpart of me too? So what? Half the JLA has
1: twins on this world. That still doesn't explain why none of us can remember those dudes.
0: The reason Green Arrow is simple. You do not recall the Seven Soldiers because... They no longer exist. Wonder Woman of Earth 2 covers her face in surprise and says, The Seven Soldiers were our only hope of destroying that horrible hand. If they are dead, so are our chances for survival. Again is Oracle misunderstood. I meant merely that the Seven Soldiers did not exist in this world any longer. At no point did Oracle mention their deaths. The devil you didn't, says Wildcat. What about that grave on the mountain? And the elongated man says, My
1: twitching nose smells a strange mystery here. If
0: those missing heroes aren't dead,
1: where are they?
0: And as Oracle speaks, another image is shown of the seven soldiers battling the Nebula Man. They are gone, gone, elongated elongated man, man from from this time time and this this place. place. Mighty were the, the forces unleashed in the, the climatic battle, battle against, against the hell-spawned nebula-man. The forces, forces which tore apart the very fabric of their existences and hurled them headlong, headlong through time's infinite, infinite corridor. Standing on Akuman's shoulder, the Atom says, Then they might just as well be dead for all the good they'll do us. If what you say is true, finding them will be like looking for seven tiny needles in a universal haystack. We wouldn't stand a cosmic chance. Yours are defeated, Mouthings Atom, and you are wrong. Just what is that supposed to mean? Though the the gates of the future future are locked, locked, the past past is Oracle's province. province. If If you you would would seek seek those those seven missing missing sentinels, sentinels, Oracle will point the way for you. Dr. Fate addresses Oracle on the next panel, saying, Have we any alternative? The future of our world hangs by a single fragile thread. We accept your generous offer, Oracle. Show us the way. The Oracle gestures and says, Down down seven of of time's time's corridors must you you walk, so So deploy deploy your your fellows fellows carefully, carefully. for those those you you pursue pursue may no longer be what once they were. And And the large final panel, page 15, is captioned, Beneath Oracle's eternal watchful gaze, the greatest heroes of two worlds separate into seven groups. Seven bolt chances for the salvation of a world. Yes, this is the stuff. So we see all the the little teams that have all formed. We see Aquaman with Green Lantern, Hal Jordan and Wildcat. That's a bit random. Even more random, we see Wesley Dodds the Sandman with Metamorpho and Superman. We see Red Tornado with Zatanna and The Flash. That just about works. We see Black Canary with Green Arrow and Johnny Thunder. We see Doctor Fate and the Elongated Man with the atom perched on Doctor Fate's shoulder. And we see Wonder Woman of Earth 2, with Doctor Midnight and Hawkman, and finally we see the lads, we see Batman, Starman, and Our Man. And in the first panel of page 16, Batman says to someone who I didn't mention there, Diana, how about coming along with Our Man, Starman, and me? I'd like to, Batman, but I think he will stay here. There should be somebody left to brief anyone else who might arrive after you've departed. If that's the way you want it, Miss Prince, but would really like to. But Batman is interrupted by Oracle, who raises both hands in the air, casting a golden glow and saying, Enough! Yeah. It is, it is time. time. The power that it is, is Oracle, Oracle now opens the, the colonel corridors, corridors for you, for you and, and speeds you on sure your quest. quest. Diana Prince watches as the golden glow starts to spread among the heroes. Batman waves to her and says, Take care of things, Diana, and wish us luck. The voice fades out, and in a very moodily lit shot, Diana replies more to herself than anything else. Good luck, bad man. i pray to Aphrodite that you won't need it. And the final panel of page 16 is captioned. Beyond the meagre boundaries of reality, 21 colourful figures flash through the abstract void. There's an image of Oracle's face with all the heroes flying towards him in their groups. Dr. Fate says, Oracle, for our search to be successful, we must know more of those we seek. How did the Seven Soldiers of Victory come to be? And at the top of page 17, there's another headshot of Oracle who says, and we see in his eyes the face of someone we'll meet properly in a sec, called The Hand, an older man with sweat back white hair and an incredibly neat dark moustache. Oracle then essentially goes on to narrate a retelling of a one of leading comics. <laughs> so if you have your copy of the Seven Soldiers of Victory Archive, Volume 1 handy, maybe pause now and have a quick flick through that, or else go back to it. Anyway, Oracle says turn your minds back through the years to a time before the seven you seek at Merce, back to the hidden sanctuary of the villain, who then was called only the Hand. Turn back to a time when this master manipulator had gathered unto him the five greatest menaces your world had then known. And we see the Hand, a nice smart green suit at this point address a group of other villains who sat around a table. There's Merlin, neatly turned out, monocle wearer, whose facial hair makes him look a good candidate for hosting a a DC horror anthology Mm -hmm. with the word house in the title. (laughs) The Needle, who looks like a cross between Captain Boomerang and the elongated man. This chap's a purple outfit with a really bad receding hairline. The Dummy, a malevolent ventriloquist doll. The Red Dragon, a scary looking man in a top hat with a red veil type mask covering his face and an evening suit and big Caesar, most ordinary looking one of them all, (laughs) a baddie, a buff, scruffy guy wearing a cap. Within Oracle's flashback, the hand is saying, they tell me I'm going to die, which is why I brought you here. The hand will not die unremembered. You five will commit history's greatest crimes at my command and all the lawmen in the world won't be able to stop you. Oracle continues to narrate but the hand was incorrect, for Green Arrow and Speedy met the malevolent Professor Merlin and his minions in blistering Death Valley, stopping the theft of a fabulous gold mine. And we see Ollie and Roy firing arrows and trapping goons against some cactuses or cacti, which is fun, as Merlin watches. The agile star-spangled kitten stripesy battled their old foe the Needle in the Panama Canal Zone to protect a scientist and his vital ray device top of a building process of being constructed and with a crescent moon high in the background to so take a sip of your drink we see the star-spangled hidden stripesy in conflict with their skinny foe. The Shining, the shining Night Knight flew to for the hidden Womoma Valley, Valley to protect its simple, simple gentle inhabitants, inhabitants and their treasure from the sinister, sinister red dragon. dragon. And we see Sir Justin on winged victory flying in to confront the red dragon as they're both fired upon with a, a bad guy with a machine gun. Arriving at the top of page 18 the Crimson Avenger and his aid wing journeyed to teeming Times Square to stop vicious Big Caesar from causing a power blackout that would leave New York City open to mass robbery. And among and atop the neon lights, we see Lee Travis and his chum tackle Caesar's guns. And vigilante race to Hollywood to smash a bizarre blackmail plot devised by the diabolical dummy. You see the dummy looking on angrily as Greg Sanders gets stuck into his henchman, which is a great panel. If only there's going to be room for it in the socials. At last, At last the winding, winding paths, paths of those seven brave sentinels, sentinels led them to them the, the hideaway of, of the Hand, hand himself, himself and into, into the, the centre of an electronic, electronic trap. You see, the Hand is about to operate a switch and a piece of machinery. Above him is a large metal cone. But a well-placed bullet from the vigilante severed the weapon's supports and ended the hand's criminal career, seemingly forever. And the aforementioned cone-shaped structure falls down and strikes the hand in the back, knocking him to the floor. Looks very painful. Oracle concludes this little history lesson, again facing the flying heroes. So well did they mesh to defeat that monumental menace that they bandied together at the Shining Knight's suggestion to become... Seven Soldiers of Victory. And amongst all the flying heroes, the two Doctors are most visible, as Dr. Fate says, An amazing story, Oracle, but tell us more of the hand. Why did you say only seemingly forever? All will be revealed to you in time. But now, Oracle must speed you to your points of rendezvous, for the quest has begun. And with that, the heroes all fade out as Oracle directs them to their destinations. And so... We arrive at the top of page 19. The afternoon air shimmers as three daring travellers step through the curtain of time. And there are logos for Dr. Fate, the Atom and the Elongated Man. The silhouetted forms of the three heroes blink into existence. Elongated Man says, Wow! Oracle sure doesn't waste any time. Where do you figure he landed us, Doc? Judging from the architecture, Elongated Man, I would assume Mexico, during the height of the Aztec reign. And perched on Dr. Fate's shoulder, the atom says, I agree, the local attire fits that era perfectly. We can see in the background, the distance, a massive temple structure and hundreds of people surrounding it. Elongated Man says, From the looks of that crowd, I'd say we're in time for something important. Our view moves closer. We get a better look at the temple and the steps leading up to the summit. Hey, fellas, take a look at the top of the temple. A cloud of scarlet smoke, the trademark of the Crimson Avenger. And we see the Avenger in his distinct red costume with its distinct chest emblem. His uniform has been enhanced by a headdress and a robe of feathers. He's surrounded by spear-bearing guards as Dr. Fate continues, we found our man, but he's become king of the Aztecs. The Crimson has his hands spread wide as he looks down at the crowds all around him. A slow dissolve then as we arrive at the top of page 20. A short while later when the tumultuous crowd is finally dispersed. The three heroes are following the Crimson and his two guards, taking care not to be seen. Dr. Fate whispers, Tread softly, friends. We'd best follow our Crimson quarry and his companions to quieter quarters before we take any action. Elongated man replies, I'm way ahead
1: of you, Doc.
0: Cautiously, the costume trio approaches the great edifice. Dr. Fate mouths a mystic chant and. In a Kitty Pride style, they phase through the wall of the temple to emerge in a large chamber. And in the background, in an alcove on the wall, we can see a large, glowing pink rock. The Crimson is still in full regalia and he's sat on a throne. Elongated Man says, A
1: terrific opening, Doc,
0: but it'll never replace the door. This is no time for humour, Mr. Dibney. The Crimson Avenger is well guarded. We'd better attract his attention. On the caption for panel three... And moments later... Elongated Man stretches towards the Crimson with a finger to his lips, and he whispers... Psst. Avenger, keep quiet. We're here to help you escape. The Crimson whirls around and sees the other heroes. He cries...
1: What? Intruders! Guards! Come quickly, quickly! Something tells me we made a boo-boo!
0: Says the elongated man. Let's get the heck out of here! Says the Atom. In the final panel of page 20, the Crimson stands and blasts bolts of electricity from his hands at the heroes, saying
1: You'll be going nowhere, strange ones, till you answer some questions.
0: The heroes are all knocked out. Falling backwards, Dr. Faye exclaims (gasps) Excellent. That's my favourite bit ever. The top of page 21 now. When the soldiers three come to Soldier 3, let's be honest, sounds like a crap superhero team named Roy <laughs> Thomas would have tried to introduce at Marvel two or three years before this. Yeah. Elongated Man and Dr. Fate are chained to a wall, their hands above their heads. Elongated Man says, What did the Crimson Avenger hit us with? I feel like a stretched out rubber band! My condition is not unlike yours, friend Dibney. These chains do little to ease the discomfort. Is the Atom awake yet? And suddenly the Atom, still shrunk to dog size, drops into view landing on Dr. Fate's shoulder, saying, Surprise a spring, duck. I'm so small, the Avenger and his goons didn't even notice me. The Crimson can be seen arriving in the bottom corner panel 2, and in panel 3, we see the Atom has moved around to hide behind Dr. Fate's helmet, as the Crimson Avenger addresses them and says,
1: So prisoners, you are awake at last. Who sent you to spy on Witzelapachli, the Sun God? Sun God? You're no Sun God.
0: You're the Crimson Avenger. A hero we've journeyed through the centuries to find. And a very indignant-looking crimson replies,
1: I am a god. Who else could wield such power? The power given me when I fell from out the sky.
0: Apparently, my friend, you're suffering from delusions, says Dr. Fate, and his hands suddenly flash with golden light as the chains binding him and elongated man shatter, setting them free. Dr. Fate says, A condition easily cured once we get you away from this time. The crimson avenger recoils backwards, crying out,
1: What sorcery? They free themselves. Guards!
0: Guards! In the first panel of page 22, two guards arrive. One cries, Rash intruders, you are doomed! As elongating man stretches to deal with them across the room, Doctor Fate and the Crimson face each other. The Crimson says,
1: I will not be so lenient again. This time I will turn you to ashes.
0: Forgive me, my friend, but this time I fear I cannot cooperate so readily. And with that, in the next panel, Crimson Avenger blasts his pink electrical energy, and Dr. Fate fights back with his own golden bust, thinking, Wherever his powers stem from, they're awesome. I barely managed to maintain my ground. In panel 3, Ralph punches out the guards, saying, I'd say you guys have been watching too many old Peter Laurie movies, except for the fact that they
1: haven't invented television yet.
0: And the guards, as they're punched out, make some nice noises like, Oof, ugh, <laughs> In the shadows, the atom thinks, E-Man is holding his own, but it looks like Dr. Fate's in trouble. And in panel four, he runs towards Dr. Fate and the Avenger, dodging Ralph and the guards as he thinks, i better lend my tiny talents to the good doctor while there's still time. That's assuming I don't get stepped on in the process. See him avoiding feet and shoes as he goes. And in panel five, the Atom jumps upwards, launching himself forwards, thinking, Phew! Made it! This swinging spear shaft will make a dandy little catapult to send me to the point of the matter... Namely, the point of the Crimson Avengers jaw, and now, with a switch of my size and weight controls to give me the heft of a 180-pound man, and at that the Atom successfully sends a Crimson flying backwards with a kick to the face. (coughs) Superb! Dr. Fate says, Excellent, Atom, but we must discover the source of his powers before he regains consciousness. And in panel two, elongated Man says, My mystery-loving nose has been hard at work through this skirmish, Doc, and it keeps sniffing out the same thing his left hand stretches towards the luminous pink rock in the alcove we saw earlier on in page 20. This strange glowing rock! elongated man continues, and then throws the rock into the air, saying, If I'm wrong, we can apologise later. But if I'm right, we'd better get rid of the rock fast! I am in complete agreement, Ralph. And in panel four, Dr. Fate blasts it, (laughs) shattering the rock into many pieces, and Dr. Fate says, And so, the rock is gone. And the caption for the final panel of page 23 says, And when the echoes of the explosion fade, the Crimson rubs his forehead and says,
1: Where am I? What's happened to me? Who are you?
0: Dr. Fate gestures, creating a transparent globe around the guards and then replies, First a spell of suspension to restrain your guards, and then all will be explained to you. Top of page 24, the first caption reads, After explanations are made... The Crimson Avenger discards his robe and headdress, throwing them onto the throne as he says,
1: A fantastic story. Apparently when I was hurled through time, a chunk of the Shattered Nebula Man was thrown along with me, stealing my memory and imbuing me with the powers you describe.
0: Suddenly, a cloud started to surround the heroes as the Crimson says,
1: What is it? That smoke... It's not crimson, like my own.
0: Unless I am mistaken, Avenger, it is our passport to the future. Oracle is bringing us home. To which the atom says, Yeah, but is he bringing us home in time? And in a darkened laboratory in another plane of existence, there is another whose thoughts are concerned with time. A darkly silhouetted figure looks up at a screen showing Earth in the grip of an enormous green hand. And at the large clock on the wall in front of him, he says, They move so slowly, the hands of the clock, almost as if they were taunting me, telling me I will not succeed. And in the final panel of this issue, this figure is revealed in the spotlight, a familiar figure of an older white man with sweat back, white hair, and a neat dark moustache. He's wearing an orange tunic with the image of a gloved fist on the chest, brown sleeves and leggings. He raises a literal iron fist to the camera as he continues, But they were all wrong! Dead wrong. The earth will bow before my demands, and the Iron Hand will hold dominion over all. And a caption box says, Next issue, The Hand That Shook the World. And another caption reads, Next issue on sale, on or about July 18th. But you won't have to wait a month for the next exciting issue of the JLA, because that's going to be in our very next episode. What an exciting cliffhanger for the end of part one of I this know. exciting epic! We are not going to do our usual discussion and we're saving that for a special episode at the end of all three parts, but we will still be posting some exciting bonus content for this episode on our social media. So follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Earth2 podcast or on Twitter at podcast underscore Earth2 for more exciting content. Yep. Plenty of extra stuff popping up on Facebook and Instagram this week to tide you over until episode two arrives. Episode two will be with you in one week. So until then, I've been Peter. And I've been David. Thank you for joining us and everyone else. We'll see you soon on... The Earth 2 Podcast. You have been listening to... Zatanna was played by Alison Steele. Adam Strange was played by Arion Zenos. Snapper Carr was played by Brandon Peters. Earth 1 Diana Prince was played by Christine Panton. Earth 1 Green Arrow was played by Chuck Lauderdance. Metamorpho was played by the irredeemable Shag. One Green Lantern and The Thunderbolt was played by Gavin Ritsa. Black Canary was played by Kelly Blair. Elongated Man was played by Max Sam Sandman was played by Rich Fulham. The Martian Manhunter was played by Robert George. Starman was played by Ross Aitken. The Crimson Avenger and Johnny Thunder were played by Steve Higgins. And the two seedy, nasty Gotham bad guys were played by Cameron Linden. The Atom, The Flash, Superman, Wildcat, Our Man, The Iron Hand... And Earth 2 Wonder Woman were played by David Steele. Batman, Aquaman, Hawkman, Dr. Fate, Simon Stagg, and Oracle were played by your very own Peter Watson. All other parts were played by your hosts. Transmatter Cube activated. Return coordinates set for Earth Prime.